everybody welcome to the improv network podcast this is a series of conversations about improv aimed at making stronger connections throughout the improv community i'm james quesada and i'm bob wick and uh before we jump into our conversation for the episode uh bob and i just wanted to share some uh sad news with um from our community in michigan um uh, our good friend Tori Tamalia passed away um, earlier this week, yeah. and uh, she's a wonderful human being that uh, started with her husband Jason um, Pointless Improv Theater in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and um, she was just uh, one of the best people I've ever met, and yes. um, I can't say enough uh, great things about her and what she meant to the community and. Um, Bob and I being part of uh, starting up that theater uh, work, getting a chance to work with her was just a, an amazing. Uh, what a great experience. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Jason earlier uh, this week and I, I was thinking back like when we used to do auditions for pointless, it was, it would always be uh, me, you, Gary, uh, Jason and her together. And it used to crack me up how her and, uh, and Gary would have who's the most organized offs in, in a way, like with the with the folders and everything. Like, and for a guy who's not organized at all, I was just always in awe of how God, this, she just had her shit together all the time. It, I don't understand how people can do that kind of stuff. So it's like almost like a superpower, and I was yeah. so impressed by that. Yeah, and uh, also on her list of superpowers was just um an incredibly positive outlook positive attitude yes. all the time even when i was i was telling uh, jason that um you know one of my fondest memories of her again in kind of starting up the theater was uh when things were like stressful or hectic um she always had the best attitude of anyone and right and and, and so so uh we, we should mention that um she passed away from cancer and um yeah. a, a special brand of aggressive uh nasty cancer um and it obviously like like with anybody dealing with cancer is uh so much uh, to deal with um and you know when we're working with her you kind of you kind of uh that, that that loses its presence on the front of your mind um and you we start like complaining or bitching about this and that and she would still always have the most positive uh, uh yeah. and, and there, overall there had moments, the most to deal with yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and there were there would be moments when i would be like complaining about something or, or being like yeah well you know i don't know and and she would just give me this look of like Really? <laughs> like you think you have a lot to deal with, uh, yeah. you know? Um, I had to drive out here. I'm so tired. Oh, you're, you're tired? Oh yeah, yeah. You want to hear about my week? Yeah. Again? Nope. <laughs> what can I do for you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we wanted to uh, just uh, share our memory and um, yeah. thoughts on her, and um, also just put out there that uh, there is a GoFundMe for her family. Um, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about her and um, uh, her story, which includes, you know, a, a diagnosis of cancer. Um, and she she was given like a, a pretty short uh, time period to live. Um, and she fought through that with uh, the support of her husband and her uh, friends and family. And um, I, I, man, I, I just remember. So we started Pointless in uh, 2015 is when it opened and we were um, everyone was just kind of like, you know, rooting for Tori to make it in time long enough to see the theater launch uh, and get to take part in the reality of um, their uh, longstanding dream, Tori and Jason of opening up this uh, theater um, and it opened and, it, you know, we were all so happy to celebrate that. Uh, and then she made, uh, another uh, six years of yeah. uh, life out of um, her battle with cancer. And, um, you know, it's just incredible that, that she fought that long and 
you know, it's, it's always a tragedy, but I'm just so glad that she had that much longer than she was given. Um, it's and be, and, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so cheers to Tori. Um, and, uh, there's the GoFundMe link that we'll throw in the comments. If anybody would like to uh, support and check out, um, her story and her family. Uh, we also have her obituary page, uh, here, which gives a little bit more detail on, uh, her as well. Um, her, their GoFundMe, uh, campaign actually reached their goal, uh, which is incredible. That's fantastic. And, um, you know, there's always, uh, uh, always more to give. Um, yeah, and right. if, uh, if you're interested in other places to give, um, the special nasty brand of cancer that, uh, Tori had was called Roz one. And, uh, there's a group and a fund called the Roz wonders, um, that, uh, goes specifically toward research and battling against that brand of cancer. Um, uh, so you can check out that page too, in the links, uh, link in comments. And uh, just check out um, the survivors of the uh, and, and, and fighters, the wonders as they call them, the Roz wonders. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, whew, yeah. Yeah. Breath. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Really, really fond memories of of Tori and uh, much love out to the yeah. uh, pointless community. Um, that brings us to uh, a, a radical shift into improv talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And we're very excited to um, have a guest with us to talk about the evolution of a script. Uh, this is our good friend from Portland, Oregon. It is Luke Zwanziger. Yeah. Hey. Hey, hey Luke. Hey. <laughs> you got to follow, follow the cancer talk. Yep, yep. No oh, pressure, boy. buddy. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about my drama scripts, obviously, <laughs> my dark historical uh, thrillers. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, thanks for having me today, The guys. things that really matter, yeah. <laughs> How you been, bud? Good, good. Um, yeah, all things sincere, doing doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is always the caveat, right? All things considered. Yeah. Um, but we're really happy to have you on uh, to talk about script writing. Um, I think that it's, especially now during the pandemic, um, when live theater is uh, not an option and uh, virtual improv just uh, for not everybody gets the same itch scratched. Um, a lot of people are turning to other forms of uh, keeping that creative um, productivity and writing is definitely one of them. And I know that you have said that, you know, it's, it's crazy to even talk about it, uh, on an improv podcast uh, because of how long it's been. <laughs> And that most of your time has been spent writing. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you about it. What, what are you working on right now? What, what have you been writing? Spending uh, much of your time on? Man, uh, since the Panini hit last year, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I wrote three TV pilots that had just been building up inside of me. And I'm working on a feature right now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, just, just uh, yeah. I, I love narrative storytelling um, and, like, uh, I came to improv, uh, yeah, a long time ago, but like went through the cycles and like wrote my first screenplay. Geez, two thousand and seven. It is. So you, awesome. you found you found improv first. Two thousand and four is when I started okay. improvising. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and that was an accident. Uh, that's a that's a whole other story. Like my friends, like, hey, I'm auditioning for a thing called improv. You should come watch and support me. And I went, and they're like, you can't watch an audition. That's weird i don't know if i can swear uh oh, like that, yeah. go for it okay yeah. that's fucking weird and, <laughs> and i was like oh, okay i guess i'll join in these improv games and i ended up getting cast on the on the team and my friend did not <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and that's why you don't invite people to watch your auditions yeah. exactly yeah so yeah do not look for support from friends they will stab you in the back uh, right <laughs> or find less less talented friends to invite until <laughs> you look better <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so yeah i started yeah improv way long ago and then you know took a screenwriting class in college and that script has been lost to the sands of time thank god <laughs> okay uh but yeah, yeah well I, I, yeah part of, part, of me, part of me wants to talk about like just i, I don't know because we're talking so with the the, the yeah. header here is the evolution <laughs> of a script and so um one of the most interesting things to look at um is 
the scripts that you have had the longest, whether it's your first script or just like that you you have gone through the most drafts on or right. been sitting on and actively like stewing about for the most time. Um, yeah. yeah, but but I I don't know. Like uh, I'll leave it to you. You want you want to you want to oh, start talking about that? There's or? so many ways. I mean, yeah, we can jump right <laughs> in. We can talk about my history, but we can jump in. Um, I really took start taking screenwriting, quote unquote, seriously. Uh, last economic crisis in 2008, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I was a college professor and I lost my job and couldn't get a job for a while. I was like, what, what do I really want to be doing? And I was like, I want to be making art, telling creative stories. At that time, I started improvising in garages and barns with friends. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is super fun. And I started writing scripts again. And I wrote historical dramas. Like I came as a history teacher and I was like, there's so many untold stories that are amazing. I'm going to write some scripts. I had some early successes. They're great. And then like, I had like a big punch in the gut. Like I put a script up on the blacklist. Um, if you don't know what the blacklist is, oh, it's yeah. a, yeah, it's a script. I don't. So please explain. Great. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I do. No. Ooh, <laughs> in the know. <laughs> I, I heard the podcast. I'm familiar. <laughs> uh, it start. I, I don't know when it started. Like, I don't know. 10 years ago, longer. It was like just industry scripts that were circulated, like things that didn't get produced. And they're like, oh, this is super cool. A lot of things that didn't get produced ended up getting produced. And then they started opening it up to writers and being like, look, host your script. We'll give you feedback notes. And you also kind of get like ranked in the list and like you, your script could get discovered. So it was a great way of opening doors to screenwriters living anywhere. I was living in rural Eastern Oregon in a small town of 2000 people. Um, and I was like, well, this is a way for me to put my script out there. And, uh, it tanked bad. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> no. I was like, I worked on it. I was like, oh man. And then like, it got a bad review and like that crippled my screenwriting for a little bit. Like, I was just like, oh, like I had some good successes. Like I'd pitched, I'd semi-finaled in a couple things. I pitched to ATX, but like that one review, like just like hit me in the gut. And I was like, oh man maybe I shouldn't be writing. <laughs> well, can I, can I ask you what about the review hit you so hard? Was it, was it like a, a, a truth that hit you or is it just like someone oh, yeah. critiquing you in general? No, I mean, it was about the script. It wasn't about me. And like a lot of the notes on the blacklist are kind of outward facing. So they're not necessarily for constructive for the writer. They are intended oh. for studio executives. Like, Hey, I read this script here's what its market potential is. Here's its flaws. It's got like good characters, good plot, good, you know, good bones. This could last for five years. All the things a business person wants to know about the story you're telling. Because at the end of the day, capitalism, yay, is making our art happen out of Hollywood. And like, we can get into like that in the writing process as well. But like the notes were right. Like I look at them now and I'm like, Oh yeah. Yep. That's, that's real true. And I don't think the story does not have merit. I think the story really does have merit. And I've started returning to that script. Um, it was too painful for me at the time. Like I was like, I didn't have thick skin, not that I have thick skin and nor do I like the whole concept of thick skin. We can get into that. Uh, yeah. um, that's another podcast. So we'll yeah. have you back for that. Though. <laughs> skin podcast, yeah. Like people are like, you just gotta, you just got toughen up. And like, there's an aspect of that. Um, but I think there is like a macho culture that kind of comes from that as well, that I think is unhealthy and we get into receiving notes, but yeah. So I have a script that like really anchored me and still continues to anchor me. Cause I was like, this story is really interesting. It, it, it was about the American dust bowl. We were in a recession. I was like, the American dust bowl is something that like usually gets skimmed over in, in history books. We talk about the great depression. We talk about like the economy, but like this is a 10 year of like ecological disaster. We had snow turning brown, raining in England from like just giant black blizzards that were basically dust blowing off the land, like metric tons of earth blowing off. So it's an ecological disaster and it's an economic disaster. There are, and we think of like the grapes of wrath. I'm basically pitching you my story now. But like we think about the <laughs> no. grapes of wrath. And like we talk about the people who leave. 40, 40 to 50% of the population remains. And I'm like, what is it about people that like are tenacious and like, hang on when you could move, you could leave. And I, I and I, this is about like my branding of story and like me realizing what kind of stories I tell. But like, I look, I grew up in small towns and I'm like, these people complain, not everyone, but some people complain about being in a small town. I'm like, you could just 
leave. Like the, 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 we live at least in America where you have some sort of mobility. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, that again is like the myth of the American dream of like, you can leave. Um, I don't know if everyone actually can, <laughs> um, yeah. ultimately. And like, so this was a story that I wanted to tell using history that also was resonating with the time in 2008. Um, I don't know if people really know what it's like now to be in, e in an economic disaster and like have no mobility or like any sort of like net underneath them. Um, so I don't, I don't think this story could be told anymore because people just don't res. I'm no. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, people just don't get it these days. They don't it's like get suddenly it. have the economy yeah. choke. Yeah, <laughs> or or being yeah. stuck in the same place and not be able to leave. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's <laughs> everything around them is killing their friends and family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, until, like, yeah, storytelling. Yeah, I, just storytelling, and like that. That story still anchors me. And like, why did I want to tell that story? And I've moved on and written a lot of other scripts. Um, but that story still anchors me. And like, especially with these times like happening again, I'm like, I need to revisit that script. That script still, yeah, yeah it got like, I forget, like a two out of 10. It was not good. Wow. wow. Um, you know, well, and so, yeah, yeah well, and, let, let me ask you real quick, just, just because um, the, the, I love the sound of the story and, um, you know, hopefully people have like a great idea. If they go to write a script, they're like, I believe in this idea. I, I, I love it. I'm like obsessive about it. Um, and then you go to write it and, you know, on, in terms of, uh, of like getting the feedback and having the aspiration to uh, finish your first script and, and believing in the story. Like I, I have found that one of the biggest like crippling factors for um, early writers, uh, myself included, is that like when you go to write the first script you have, you take so much pride in it and you're doing it alone. So you don't get a ton of feedback. Um, and there's something between like, I don't know if it's like perfectionism uh, or, um, or ego or both or, or whatever, but like uh, I, I, I've taken now to just like really offer the, the advice to early anything people who are, are, are producing like, like sketch videos, a podcast, uh, a script is that like you, you, no matter where you're starting at, no matter what your idea is, you have so far to go and you probably don't know that and how, like, that's like a really good point. <laughs> if your first, if your first attempt at something is perfect, congratulations. You're the only, like, that's rare and few and far between. Uh, yeah. And, and and so and you want it to be you're like you're like okay if I'm gonna do this I better be good at it and what you said right. about about like how crippling it was to get the bad feedback like how do you kind of uh, reconcile like what what made you bounce back to keep working on it after that and and like what have you learned up till this point about like what the the like learning curve is on being a, becoming a good writer yeah and that's so huge and I think. To, to walk that back just like one step, I think one of the big myths we're told about writers is this like myth of like the solitary writer of like who goes out into the cabin in the woods um, and like just writes a novel and comes out and like, here is my manuscript and it's perfect. And I think that myth of the solitary writer like needs to be killed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, we just, it's so romantic and it is so right. untrue of how basically anything happens. Like, I mean, maybe at this point, Stephen King doesn't have many people giving him feedback on his thing, but like most writers, you look at the acknowledgements in their book, they're in writers groups, they're taking chapters to their groups and getting feedback and writing and rewriting and like iterating, like even like Andy Weir's The Martian, like he would put that up on a blog, get feedback, rewrite the chapter <laughs> after putting it out onto the internet. Like, Wow. It's, like it's just the the iterative process is something that like people don't get to see in in it. And like we hear about it, we're like, oh yeah, Aaron Sorkin, he wrote 20 drafts of a movie. And like he's kind of like people consider him successful, you know. Yeah. And so like how how brazen and like egotistical is it of it of me to think that like, oh, I can do it in less than 20. Um, you know, like yeah. you should yeah. at least have 20. <laughs> like yeah. <right? laughs> Um, and like, I think holding things with an open hand, um, I, you know, again, I was in a small town 
when I was writing these things, I didn't have writers groups around me and I didn't have um, creatives around me that like we were investing in each other. And I think that's something that has been huge in my journey as a writer. Improv has been huge in, in that collaboration of working together and iterating and even being able to take notes, um, just being like, okay, cool, I can do better, I can be better. Um, but like we do pour so much of ourselves into our script and like where improv's ephemeral, like, you know, some of us tape our shows and sometimes we'll watch them back as game tape, but most of the time, like we've created something in the moment, we're proud of that creation and then it's gone, but we're putting days, weeks of work into these scripts. And so it can become more personal, like what, how, how is this wrong? How is this not resonating? And so I think learning to have that ephemeral nature of like, oh, I'm just creating, reiterating. Um, and to some people, this process, like a lot of improvisers get to do this, and but not all improvisers get to do this um, yeah. as, we're, as, we're, as we're working the scripts. Um, but just realizing what you've created and realizing that it is not written in stone. Like so often we treat like, well, that's my first thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's just a warm up. That's a, yeah. I love what you're saying because I I think people don't. Well, just some of the students I've worked with don't realize how much work it actually takes. They think long. Hey, my job is just to get get it on paper, and then step <laughs> back and let it happen. And mm-hmm. that's so far from true. It's it's kind of. But I do think you got to get on paper initially. Like, yeah. and just put take down all the roadblocks because I think second guessing, um, tweaking, just getting that first draft onto the page is the most important thing for your first step or even a half step. And yeah. then it's time to to go over the whole thing because, yeah, there's so much, there's so many reasons you can stop yourself from finishing a script, mm-hmm. and most yeah. of them are are crap. So just get it on the page. And then, yeah, do all the do all the extra stuff like you're talking about, like show it to a friend, people you trust. Take notes as if like the same kind of notes you would take as an improviser when you're rehearsing, like and and receive the notes in the same manner. Yeah, yeah. Sort of on that train of thought, I'm just thinking about how, like, with improv, one of the things that. Um, you like sort of benefit from in the creative uh, sense is just that like, okay, well, whatever you establish, you have to work with, right? That's, that's, <laughs> it's, it's out there is established and now you got to do something with it. And mm-hmm. uh, that would probably be, be beneficial to apply to writing where it's just like, get your first draft out there. And even if it's not exactly what you wanted it to be, it is what it is now and, 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 and work with it. Like you have to work with it. But on the other hand with writing, you kind of like, you know, like you were describing your your story, Luke, is you have a, a particular vision and something that you want to accomplish uh, specifically. So, like, how much in when you go to like a, an outline or a first draft or like rewrite and rewrite, how much are you kind of like bending things back to your original uh, intention, and how much how much do, do do your scripts tend to like evolve in a different direction that you wouldn't have thought of uh, at the outset? Yeah, uh, that's huge and like this has been the journey let's let's talk about the one of my pilots i've been writing for the past year um it started out as a sketch um that just had too much meat on it i was just like i kept like being like oh this is like a 10 page sketch and it was like this whole like and i was like oh it's like a two page that like turned to five that turned to ten and i was like this this is like this needs to be a show and uh it's a vampire hospital show called vampy <laughs> I saw that on your website. Yeah. I, that beautiful name. I, it's yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, that just started out as like a dumb sketch of like vampires having like a Sunday, the way that like we have snow days because you can't go outside. Mm-hmm. Like vampires have a Sunday and so they can't go outside because they'll get burned by the sun. It's too, I was sunny. Like, oh, yeah. too sunny. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have a Sunday. Everyone stay inside, bundle up. <laughs> Uh, but of course, then someone gets sunburned. I'm like, well, where does a vampire go for a hospital? Well, we're going to have a vampire hospital. And so I was like, but that there's, there's more there. Like, well, who's in the hospital? Like, and so like this grew into a pilot script. And so I was like, okay, cool. I kind of love that. Cause by nature, like the whole myth of the vampire is they don't care for human life, but they care for <laughs> each other's lives. That that's that invite. 
itself is interesting to me. Like, I mean, I mean, we got to save this guy. Dude, they're they're undead. They're, they're <laughs> saving they can, on lives. They can disappear. I mean, yeah. I mean, they have to tourniquet an arm as it's turning to ash, like that's been sun exposed, sort of thing. You know, like yeah, instead yeah. of having a blood transfusion, we're like taking blood out of their veins. You know, because they don't have running blood. Like mm -hmm. they're hydrophobic. All of these different things. Like I was like, oh, it's it's a doctor show. Oh. But with vampires, and I was like, "Well, let's add other monsters like werewolves and Frankenstein's." And like, so I've got a, now there's like a demon administrator, and so this was kind of like yes, ending the basic premise of like, okay, yes, there's a hospital for monsters. What else is there? And so when I built the pilot, like that's that's what it was. That original sketch no longer exists in the current draft of my my right. script, like. Everything that happened in that original draft is basically gone. I think there is still a character that wears like a Bella Lugowski, like old school vampire, like red cape sort of thing. And that's about it. Like there's not much left of the original sketch. That's um, wow. Yeah. I, so that's yeah. interesting too. Like just again, and you, you, you started it as a sketch, um, I think that's a pretty straightforward or organic example of like, okay, well, it, it, it evolved on its own. Um, and it just seemed like, like, oh, there was something that just kept wanting to come out and, and it told you what shape it was going to take. Yeah. Um, but like, not everything is, is the, ends up being that straightforward, right? Sometimes you're yeah. like, I have this idea for like, uh, the Dust Bowl thing. And you're like, well, is that a series? Uh, is that a movie? Um, mm -hmm. Is is that uh, a short? You know, like, do, how do you kind of figure out like what medium you're writing for? And, and how, how often does that change as you're writing? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I, I kind of, on some levels, let the story tell me, but I also some, I'll, I'll come into a thing and like, know what medium it is and like i know people who've trained changed their pilot scripts into features and vice versa and like you're really trying to say like how much story is here like is it story or character or like what is the important thing like movies yes everything needs to be character driven but movie is a complete story where like shows need to have they talk about engine but basically like what can happen week to week consistently and that can be interpersonal like conflict like do i want to see these characters for hours or do i just want to see a story that they live in and that will really help you kind of be like feature or uh you know long form narrative um I, I guess you know it's also like it's also like if you have a bunch of uh pilots or spec scripts and you're like i haven't written a feature there's also that right where you're like i'm just yeah. gonna make something into a feature <laughs> and I'll make it fit. <laughs> like... Yeah, well, and like that's a writing exercise for yourself too. Like sometimes if you're stuck on a script, like maybe you're working it in the wrong medium, try just be like, okay, this isn't hitting as a half hour pilot. What if it was an hour long pilot? Or what if it was a movie? What if it's a web series? Like what if you chop it down to shorter chunks? Be like, mm -hmm. I don't know, let's see what five minute episodes do on this. Like. Maybe I don't have enough engine to sustain. Like maybe I just want to be quick and punchy. And like, that's what your jam is. And I know a lot of improvisers like that quick and punchy. Um, yeah, because they're doing a lot of stuff on like, uh, not Twitter, uh, Twitch, TikTok. not Twitch. TikTok, thank you. I knew it's a man, that was an old man Twitch moment shock. if I ever had one in my life. Yeah, doing a lot of stuff on MySpace that's going really quick, kids. <laughs> Look, Quibi is going to take over the media landscape. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it? Uh, listen, I, I would love to talk about about what is Quibi because because like the, the, the idea of these like and what was Quibi? What was Quibi? Gone already? Oh, it's dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, I hate to laugh, but I, I mean, I was like, I was kind of rooting for it because there's oh, like me too. there was yeah. some really cool content they, that they had on there. Oh, what that's wow. such a bummer that it came and went so quickly because it's it's yeah. like. Uh, I, I'm always rooting for for th that the pendulum will swing back to like longer and longer content now yeah. that we've gone so freaking short. Right, um, right. I, I would love to see uh, things push back, which I guess in, in some ways they have. Like television series are are uh, uh, very popular now, but yeah. um, it's just like, uh, I, that's unfortunate. Well, <laughs> I, well, it, I mean, it, to to just do a, I'm sure there's many podcasts on it, but like it launched like April of last year like in the heart of the pandemic where yeah. people had loads of time yeah. 
And so binging 10 minute episodes, no longer like, oh, I've got nothing well, to do. Yeah. It was supposed to be something you watched like on the train or something yeah. on the way to work and yeah. no one was yeah. going to work. So bite sized episodes like, yeah, <laughs> but, then, but then why is, why we don't have to stick on, on this train of thought too long, but then why is, you know, Instagram uh, stories and, and uh, TikToks still so popular at that short one minute mark? Like what's the deal with that? I mean, I think it comes to a little bit of like human connection, like, mm-hmm. like highly produced content. We want to settle in. We want to watch it. But like with like TikToks and reels, like we're engaging with other humans uh, in yeah. a yeah. in a more naturalistic way. And like that is something that's been lacking in our lives. And so like, there's a bit of voyeurism of- in it, too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you you get to get, see, you know inside someone else's life or whatever they were presenting to you right yeah rather than like yeah. you said highly produced content and, and we are conditioned to read or, or watch different mediums in different ways that's why they're uh the big studios are so anti like putting their good stuff on like uh the streaming yet before they put it in the movie theaters which as we learn it doesn't really matter but there is a way you watch different things on different mediums that 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 affect the way we interpret the story or whether or not we like the content we're receiving. So yeah, I think it's, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all that short form. There's like the YouTube web series. There's um, you know, there's, there's anthologies and limited series and radio dramas. And, and then of course your standard uh, 30 minute, 60 minute television and, and your features and everything. And it's, and it's like, it's never been, more overwhelming to, to to try to figure out which medium you want to write for right. uh, if you don't already have like a clear um, parameter yeah. or, or an angle that, you know, if you're just writing for yourself, uh, like, or not writing for yourself, but like, if you're just writing without being like, oh, I want to be in film or, uh, you know, it's easier if you're like, I want to write for TV, well then write write a tv episode but if you're just like i i want to write and i don't know exactly where i want to end up yet then it becomes very difficult to figure out like um what your next idea is gonna be written for yeah well and like especially if you're early on in your writing career and like i i say this like as if i'm like so advanced i'm not uh (laughs) but like uh there there's there's just an aspect of like finding your voice just write whatever you want to like and like in that process you'll find something and like if you want to write tv write as many tv episodes as you can like i started out like writing specs like that was the way and like specs being speculative scripts uh that like are of other shows mm-hmm. um yeah like i wrote my first office spec in like 2008 um you know and like applied to the nbc like there's so many contests out there and like fellowships that like are trying to get new writers a leg up and just write for those things and put them out there and see what you can do on that but you're finding your voice like both finding other people's voice being able to write in like i love the office i'm gonna write an episode of that just understanding structure and characters but then as you write your own work which is also considered spec but it's you're doing it on spec because you're not being paid but in the TV world, spec scripts are other people's stuff. And then you have your own original pilots that you're writing. So Whereas let me ask you that. Oh, sorry. Please continue. Oh, I was just going to say that. And then like feature films, like writing a spec feature is an original feature. So so what would your advice be to someone who's who's trying to find their voice and the right medium and everything? You're just getting organized in the beginning. Would you suggest writing smaller? Uh, would you focus more on character work or premise um do you recommend any doing any stuff like writing out the beats first and then writing a script or is that something you discover along the way what your process is uh so basically over generalized how would you do you do you suggest that one discovers their process and should they focus on either character work or or premise um i definitely would say like character work is huge um like work on your characters like write one page scripts like give yourself easy things to accomplish like write a one pager like just focus on like writing a dinner scene you're like i'm gonna write a dinner scene if you have a story you want to tell great you're you're miles ahead but if you just want to start experimenting like just give yourself easy things to accomplish because like writing a, a a feature or even like a pilot can become daunting and like can discourage you but experiment with things like this is something like i 
no one script has come together the same way for me. It oh, just cool. yeah. hasn't. Like, you know, the the vamp vampir that was a sketch to sketch to web series to pilot. Um, and like I have a web series version of it and I have a pilot version of it. Um, I have another one about a sibling rivalry um, called Alpha and Omega that started out as like a character thing. So it's like, oh, siblings, they're at like at odds with each other. One's a funeral director, one's a midwife. You know, <laughs> it's a sitcom, cool. you know. And so like that, that basically went straight to pilot. Um, didn't even have an outline of that. Like I just went straight to pilot. Now, uh, <laughs> Have I had to do lots of rewrites on that? Yes. <laughs> uh, is it finished? No. Uh, I just did a, uh, I basically did a page one rewrite of that last month. Um, and so page one rewrite is when you just throw away everything and start on a blank page. Wow. And so this is where like really focusing on character will help you immensely. Because if you're focused on plot points like they go to the doctor and then they meet this and then the way that wacky person comes in that doesn't give you a real good understanding of like what your characters are doing. But if you know who your characters are, you could start with a blank page and tell a brand new story with those characters. And like, maybe you'll find something that hits like, and so for my process on that one, like I wrote the script, rewrote it, rewrote it a couple of times, punched up jokes and it basically wasn't hitting. And the reason it wasn't hitting. And the reason I know is I, I put it, sent it to friends. I sent, I took a couple classes and they're like, look, your script's very funny. The number of jokes you have is admirable. And I was like, oh, I'm putting that in my pocket. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I'll stop listening now. Thank you. And they're like, but we don't know who the main character is. They're like, they just go and do their jobs in funny ways, but we have no mm -hmm. reason to care about them. And I was like, oh yeah, why Why do we care? What is their struggle? What's their internal goals and desires? And there's so many different tools you can have to find those. And like as improvisers, we have a lot of those tools um, right. to like find voices for people. Um, but I was like, oh yeah, I want this to be about the midwife sister coming into her family who wants her to join the family business. And she's like, nope. So now we have like a conflict and we have wants, desires, goals. Um, that like she wants to be like viewed as competent, but she can't because her family wants to join her, the family business, which she won't. So of comedy, of course, like you give people goals and desires that they can they can't they can't ever get. Like Michael Scott in the American uh, Office wants to be everyone's best friend, but by nature of being the boss, he can never be everyone's best friend. Like right. he has like his wants and desires are at odds with each other. Um, but he always wants it, but can never get it. And that's where a lot of comedy comes in. So if you can ha find those wants and then set up a situation where they just can't get it, you're going to end up with a lot more comedy. Um, and I also ran into this with my vampire script. A lot of jokes, but like there was no like wants, goals, desired needs of these vampires. Like they want to do their job good, but no one wants to see a show where people are like, I want to do my job good. That's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, okay. everybody cares. Everybody cares yeah. at the vampire hospital. So uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I introduced the character. So would you suggest doing like character bios? Is that something you do personally, or I've done character bios? Um, I haven't done them from all my scripts. I probably should. Uh, I it usually <laughs> helps. Uh, <laughs> it's work, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a lot of work. You know, right write in their voice like if you want right. to write a diary like in the voice of the character like you'll discover things um another thing i do that's been a very helpful tool is using the enneagram personality types if i can personality type my characters like the enneagram literally will tell you like you know however you feel about personality types enneagrams will say when this person is functioning well they'll interact this way when they're interacting poorly like in a period of stress they'll this is the ways they act out and so you're like oh if my character is this i put them in this situation this is the way they're act out um and a lot of times i'll work backwards and be like oh i've written this script they're put in this situation they, re they react this way they're probably this and that will help inform other ways to write the character and what, what exactly is an enneagram 
Yeah, great. Uh, Enneagram is a personality type. Thanks, James. Yeah. <laughs> I love no, it. I, love I was it. about to ask that too. Like, am I the only one here yes. that doesn't? Yes, right. The Enneagram. Yes. yes. Uh, oh, yes. Enneagram. Well, yes, of course. All yeah, of from Dr. Graham. <laughs> uh, it's personality typing. Like, there's the Myers Briggs, you know, INFJ, all those things. I hope you know those. The Enneagram is like this wheel of, of like how people interact with the world. And you kind of like, you self pick your thing like you know i my internal goals is like i want to be um you know viewed as competent and like that internal desire means that i often interact in the world in which like i value like friendships i value like professional advancement i value value these things there are other people who those things are not uh valuable to them and so like if you can figure out like this this personality diagram shows you how people uh, value things um, and like what what they want and how they interact when they can't get them either. Mm. And so it's super helpful both to know yourself. I mean, I've, you know, I, I it's been very helpful for me to be like, why am I angry about this situation? Right. It's because I value this. And I think it's just good self-work. But if you can do place that self-work into your characters and be like, oh, they're a type nine. Type nines are like peacemakers. They avoid conflict at all at all costs. They will not engage, you know, and like, oh, a type eight, they are all about conflict, but for justice. Like they will call you on your bullshit, but they're about justice. And like, you know, they're it's super great if they're working in a positive way, but if they're in a negative way, oh boy, you know, they'll start, you know, attacking you personality and like all of these things. So like knowing when your your character is healthy. And when they are unhealthy, helps you know how to take your script maybe to the next level. If you're like, what would my character do if this happens to them? This helps like ground it re in, in a little bit more realism. Um, I follow an Instagram account called Enneagram and Coffee. Um, so if anyone out there wants to learn about Enneagrams, it's a fun way to like break down Enneagrams um, and learn yeah. about yourself and the people around you. Yeah, I just I'm curious. Uh, is that was that originally a writing tool or character development tool or is it like a psychological or therapy type thing it was developed hundreds of years ago by monks really um, yeah uh, man I've, I've never heard of this me neither <laughs> that's I'm definitely gonna check it out <laughs> yeah monks, that's like <laughs> monks yeah yeah i'm not sure what i can't remember which diaspora of monks um but yeah it was it was a kind of a religious tool for pastors to help understand themselves as well as the people around them as they interacted and tried to help help people essentially and be like, yeah. 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 That's amazing. I, I, to me, it just, it sounds like a writing tool. Like, like uh, I, I don't, I can't imagine, you know, I don't know how it's spelled, but it sounds like an Enneagram would, would be like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a graph for how your character will right. act in any situation. It's an Enneagram. <laughs> Enneagram. Yeah. Any, yeah. Yeah. You need a gram? I got yeah. one for any occasion. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, okay. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a fantastic tool. Um, what, what are some other like ways that you hit writer's block or, you know, what 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 sort of things like prompt you to do a page one rewrite or or like stop and be like is my character working or not like you know what where do you find yourself getting uh, writer's block um, and like like what are some other ways that you push past it? Yeah, um, the biggest thing, and this is a luxury that you have when you're writing for yourself, but it's time and giving yourself permission to put a script in a drawer, you know figuratively come back to it in a month um you know two weeks like sometimes you'll be able to see things later and i put a ton of stress on myself like this is something that causes me anxiety of like i've just got to get it done i'm gonna i'm gonna write five pages today and like sometimes that will happen and sometimes it won't and like you know giving yourself space and some people are great at this and maybe those people need to be told go write more um but like for me <laughs> yeah. uh i need to be told step away for a minute son like get, like just let it be it will and like when i give myself the space to go sit on my back porch and read a book um for a day or something and like maybe not even write for a day 
I usually come back refreshed with fresh eyes. You're not, you don't always have that luxury. Um, I've worked, been working on our deadlines before. Last year, I had the great opportunity to work in a Zoom writer's room. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and so like, that was like working on deadlines. Like we've got to get these scripts done. We're shooting like, you know, um, it was all COVID safe um, stuff. Like the actors filmed themselves. Like it was, it was a wild project. I don't know when it first came about, we were like, oh, the pandemic will be like over in three months. We got to get this done. Yeah. And I, that was, that wasn't me. That was the director. The director's like, Hey, we got to get this done. Well, it's still relevant. And I was like, I, I don't, I think this is, it's going to drag on. Anyways, sure. uh, the series <laughs> is still not out. And I'm at this point, I'm like, I don't know if anyone wants to watch this show. Um, let's put it in a drawer and like pull this show out in five years. This will be a nice yeah. slice uh, as a dark comedy. But you know, at that point, I'm working on deadlines, and so then I have to implement other skills. Um, you know, like yeah, okay, how do I get this script to where it needs to be? But fortunately, at that point, I'm working with other writers. They have notes and being like, this script needs X done to it. Like we don't understand motivation. We don't have like a strong cliffhanger. We don't have a strong character change. Like you start just asking questions like if you can ask questions and then try to answer those questions um will really help you with rewrites oftentimes when i'm rewriting as well i'll go through and do like a character pass like i'll go through and be like does this make sense for my main character just look at every interaction my main character is doing right is this their voice is this what they want is it clear once i've done that i'll go through and be like how's their sidekick you know <laughs> and just go through and like pick one person or one thing to really focus on is very helpful um, to maybe like overcome those writer blocks. What would you say like once you have a story arc, going back and changing the dialogue and the interaction, the relationship stuff would would be a little bit easier or? No, no. Okay. <laughs> Because yeah, on some levels, the, I think I think you need to focus on character first. Like the plot points yeah. are great, but if the character motivations aren't there, then your plot's gonna change. Um, oh, that's a good point. Like yeah. if you're like, well, they why are they making this decision? Is it for plot convenience? Do they just need to end up at the pool? Well, this the, it's it's forced. There's no real reason they need to end up there aside from the fact that I wanted to have a pool party scene. Yeah. Um, and like. <laughs> You know, the, it just feels false. Um, and like, you can overthink these things a lot, but that's also part of the job <laughs> is to, to, to overthink the things and ask the questions yeah. before other people do. You can always feel that when they do force that stuff into script. Like a, a lot of CW shows, which I've been watching a lot of because I share a TV with someone who loves that channel. Be like, oh, you, you always said swimming calms you down. Better to go to the pool. Like you've never said that during the, Like I've been, I watched all three previous episodes they never mentioned a pool once okay uh, i guess we're going to the pool now uh, or you end up like five seasons in and they're like you love the pool man <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah yeah uh oh man um so uh, uh I, i'm distracted now because there's there's an episode of the Gil I've, julia and i've been watching a ton of the gilmore girls um and uh, there's an episode where, where it was just like why are they doing this because they said they would. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I wish I could come up with the uh, exact episode, but um, yeah, when you have, it, it, I, I suppose what you're what you're kind of saying here, Luke, is that like it's good to be able to work in a writer's room and right. to collaborate, and uh, you know, like you said earlier, that myth of the um, solo writer just isn't really what it is. But what what you can do when you're working alone is kind of um, bring back the sort of feedback and collaboration that you've uh, experienced um, in between and give that voice to yourself uh, and try to try to become a, like an outside observer, you know, in some other compartment of your, of your head yeah. while you're reading through your script, um, which I think is great. I, I think that that's a really great um, tip for like solo writers is, is just like, try to remember the types of things that you get criticism on. So you can ask the same questions before someone else does. That's a really great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you're, if you don't have that community, you're not getting those questions and like being part of writers rooms and writers groups has grown my craft leaps and bounds. Like, you know, and like part of it is like, I am like, you know, I took all the energy I was putting into improv um, and like pivoted it into screenwriting, but like the, just the ability to just, you know, engage 
um, versus like, you know, writing in the woods. Like I didn't know the questions I needed to be asking about my characters. And I think like, you know, that's maybe why that blacklist criticism like really hit me hard was I was like, oh, I don't I don't know as much as I thought. I thought I could just tell a story and it would be done. And like, oh, man, you know, like you're going through so many revisions. And then by the time you get it good enough to catch the attention of someone, they're going to make you change it as well. <laughs> um, you know, like you're going to go through rounds of studio notes or actor notes or they'll cast someone else. You're like, oh, I don't like this character. Can you rewrite that and change the motivations? And you're just like, OK, well, I guess you're paying me now. So I've got to change this. Yeah. Um, you know, and like that was an interesting thing working in a writer's room. I was writing on scripts that like I was given characters where I'm like, I don't like this character. I don't like what the director <laughs> wants done with them, but I still had to write something that was meaningful, powerful, and like engaging that met the needs of the director, but somehow be true to my own voice. And that was a, a whole nother unique challenge that you'll get into. And I think what you need to be asking also, like as you're writing, like, yes, you're finding your voice and back to like, should I write a web series? Should I write a pilot? Should I write a feature? Like, what are you wanting to accomplish with your writing? Like, is it a creative exercise? Awesome. Um, I personally want my work to be seen by people. <laughs> like there is some like personal satisfaction you get from like writing, but like ultimately art should be shown. So like, why are you doing it? Are you gonna, are you gonna direct this and like have your improv troupe star in it? Your sketch troupe, you're gonna go, get actors locally? Are you gonna direct this? Are you trying to sell it? Are you trying to get staffed? All of these questions, you know, like will help drive how you're writing and like what your expectations are on it. Um, you know, and yeah. so. Let me let me ask, uh, uh, we're coming clo close to the end of our, our time here, unfortunately, but. Um, oh man. I know, it's flown yeah, by. I know. But um, I'm curious, uh, related to the, this idea of like, uh, what you're writing or having goals for it. Um, let's say like, like the idea of a budget. I sometimes I'll write something and I'll, I'll be like, I will be torn between the thinking, putting the cart in front of the horse and being like, like, Oh, but is this realistic for either me to do? Or like, if I was going to try to shop it around, am I better off trying to um, keep it like a realistic budget or whatever, like, and not put all sorts of like crazy stunts and special effects. And you know what I mean? Like, like it's, mm -hmm. these, these kinds of questions are things that I get hung up on. And I'm just curious, like, how do you look at, um, do you just, you just like write whatever you're going to write and not think about that? Or is there any sort of like practicality in writing things that are um, feasible to produce for whatever your end goal is? Yeah. And like, I think this, like, comes down to like your personality type like what you're able to juggle i mean writing and editing are two different muscles and i think when you're like thinking about budget you're like you're balancing something in the back of your mind that might be holding up the writing process you can always rewrite you can always rewrite and like uh writing is editing like writing is rewriting and so like uh, one of the most helpful things that i like advice i got and like it's one of those ephemeral things like uh what you're doing is like pouring sand into a sandbox. You're not building the castle yet. The first draft is just putting the sand in the box. You're going to reshape that sand over and over and build a castle. But that first draft, you know, just build that. And then like, then you can start asking, can I afford to film at Six Flags? Or maybe I should have like a slip and slide in a backyard. <laughs> like, right, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, can we have the same it. scene like happen there? <laughs> And those sorts of questions can be, you know, scaled up and down um, in the editing process. I had an agent tell me, like, you know, if you're up for it, like, have three versions of your script. Like, have the HBO half-hour version, have the hour-long AMC version, and have the half-hour network version. Like, have, like, if you want to write three drafts, imagine your thing three ways. And then, like, if, if you're looking to sell that opens up your markets being like, look, I have a half hour version that's very R rated. We've got some nudity, some F-bombs, you know, we've also got the, the ABC version, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and so like, just, yeah, you can determine that afterwards, especially if you are writing to discover stories. If you're writing in being like, I need to make something this summer, well then you need to write to your budget. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's a great thing to, to keep in mind too, is that there's not, there's not one way 
to tell your story. There's lots Absolutely. of ways. And, and it, I think it is a good, really valuable exercise. Whether, you know, if, if it's all these different versions for like the uh, uh, practicality of, of selling it, um, that's great. But also just putting it into different uh, versions for the sake of like um, untethering yourself from, from like, uh, you know, having to have it be one way, I think is, is a good way to like sort of surrender uh that that's control so huge to surrender that control and guess what you can rename your drafts i have like a folder of like so many renamed drafts <laughs> of like just like version like and like some of them are small changes but some of them just been like retitled like vampire underscore helen where i've just like shifted the pov to an entirely different character and been like what's that do to this script is this oh, the wow. character we yeah. need to be following like maybe i'm wrong and like maybe that script is terrible i'm like nope like I got notes on a script from a manager and I'm like, I don't agree with these notes at all, but they wanted a rewrite. And like in two weeks I had to turn it around. I just was like, man, I do not like this direction. But instead of fighting the note, I was like, what do they want to see? I renamed it an entirely new thing and went a new direction. Um, that tree branch is kind of like, I've, I've, gone back to my my core but i've taken things that i used in that rewrite to be like oh i did discover something new taking it mm -hmm. that direction and mm -hmm. so like yeah you can rename your draft files multiple things and that way you can also come back so when you're editing it's non-destructive editing you can be like i'm not destroying anything like this is just it's a new new script and you can come back to the previous version um i'll use dates instead of like versions because like that just versions can get messy like if you're like well it's version eight but with this and like you yeah, you're yeah. wanting to explore yeah. <laughs> you're wanting right. to take that improv freedom of being like let's do this again but with the same characters and like actors who are used to devising work where you're like going on stage and like reiterating things in character that's a lot of what we're doing with with scripts here and just give yourself that freedom and permission and say like this is my version i think earlier like earlier in my writing career i was like this is the story. This is what it's got to be. Instead of being like, ah, maybe I'll, you know, if it helps you to think of like, write an episode two, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, just be like, cool. I wrote this pilot. I'm going to write an episode two. And honestly, you, you'll know the characters better and you'll probably end up with a better script um, because you're not tied to the plot points that you're chasing. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I, and that's, and awesome. that's a great point to end on uh, Luke. It's been so great talking to you. Um, we really appreciate yeah, man. you joining. Yeah, thanks for um, having me. This has been great. Wow, that was the quick hour. Thank you. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could go for another hour. <laughs> um, is there uh, anything else? Obviously, we've uh, mentioned your scripts, which um, uh, th those two that you mentioned, the uh, Vampire and the Alpha and Omega, um, those are, are viewable on your website, right? They are. I probably should update because I have new versions of them since I put them on my website. But yeah, loopbond.com. Like, oh man. Like, Beat them to it. Beat them to it. Man. It's right. yeah. If you want to see the process, maybe I'll put a Dropbox of like every yeah. single version and like people can wow. tell me what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but is there anything else that you wanted to plug um, or direct people toward before we let you go? Uh, man, uh, follow me on the socials. I'm Luke Zwan on basically all of them. I'm most active on uh, Twitter and TikTok lately. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. 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 That's dope. Uh, awesome. Cool. Well, we will direct people uh, to find you there. Um, you have been watching us on the Improv Network on Facebook, which actually right at this moment, uh, I think is the, the broadcast has been disrupted, <laughs> but either the Improv Network on Facebook uh, or Improv FAQ on YouTube. Um, you can also find Improv FAQ content on the improvnetwork.org, a fantastic resource for all improvisers and theaters and festivals and beyond. Um, you can uh, check out the website, uh, blogs, profiles, all that good stuff. Um, thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in. Kurt, you're the best. Um, and there he is. Well, this is for uh, a heart for Tori. And then, um, yeah, uh, also, uh, a nod of approval from Kurt. See, um, see, Luke, you got some good notes on this one. There we go. <laughs> yeah, great feedback. Put that in your pocket. Yeah, good feedback. Put that. Oh man, screen cap every good positive feedback because you will need that.
I have yes. a I have a folder. I have a put folder of like put it in your pocket because <laughs> you'll need it on those dark days. Be like, am I good at this? Just... <laughs> Find the folder. Ah, wrote lots of jokes. Admiral number of jokes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want you to start an Instagram account just called Luke's Pocket and just just screen grabs. Of Luke's all Pocket, the yes. Uh, yeah. It might be sparse, but uh. <laughs> um, okay, guys. Uh, uh, thanks again for a great conversation. Thanks for anyone uh, who tuned in, and we'll catch you next time on the Improv uh, Improv Network podcast. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.